Good morning. This uh, that we're getting ready to do, um, this is one of those messages that the Apostle Paul is gonna give us that tends to create a, uh, a defensiveness in, in people. Um, and so I, I wanna prepare you for that. Um, <clears throat> and I, I wanna encourage you um, to, to try to hold that defensiveness at bay a little bit until the very end. Uh, and and uh, as we work through all of the material um, about why we should love other people. And if you still feel that defensiveness at the very end, um, I would encourage you to write a very strongly worded letter to the Apostle Paul. Um, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. You come on in and we'll talk about it, honestly. Um, I'm, I'm totally kidding. So, all right, so let's, uh, let's pray. How's that for an introduction, all right? Let's pray and then we'll get into things a little bit, all right? Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we thank you for your word. Uh, even sometimes word, uh, a, a word that is, uh, maybe puts us a little bit on the defensive uh, as, as people. Help us to see what you want to teach us this morning. Uh, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his grace. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, there's an old uh, joke about um, a rich man that was on his deathbed and he requested at the end of his life uh, to meet with his pastor, his bank manager, and his lawyer. And uh, they all three of them showed up and he said to them, listen, um, I've come to the end of my life, kind of crusty older guy. He said, I don't owe another person a single thing. So he said, I've acquired a, a certain amount of money and uh, I just want that money like thrown into the ground with me. He said, I, I don't owe anybody anything. And he, he told them, uh, he gave them each $200,000 and he said, the end of it, I just want you to throw it in with me and, and bury it with me. And uh, the, the man shortly thereafter died. Uh, they were at his wake and the, the three of them were talking. And at this point, the pastor just was overcome with guilt. And he said, listen, I wanna, I wanna be honest with you guys. He said, I, I only threw in half the money after his passing and um, I, I threw half of it in. He said, my church needed some roofing done. Um, we at Northwest understand this. Um, and uh, uh, you know, my church needed some roofing done and, and so I kept back about half that money to pay uh, for the roofs and the bank manager said, well, as long as we're confessing, uh, I only threw about half the money in two. He said, our bank was in huge financial trouble. I, I just used that $200,000 to get us through so that we wouldn't have to, to close. And the lawyer jumped up and he just was outraged. So I cannot believe how greedy the two of you are. He said, uh, I threw in a check for the whole amount. Um, so, you know, um, the, the, the man near, near his deathbed, he really did not feel like he owed anyone any, anything. And he, here's where the, the base I want to build with you a little bit uh, is this is just a human nature thing. Uh, so, so I'm not like necessarily criticizing or condemning anybody, but we spend a lot of time thinking about what we are owed. In, in general, as human beings. In relationships, we tend to think about being like owed unconditional love and forgiveness and grace uh, when it comes to our mistakes. In work, we tend to think about our promotions and our raises and our vacations. We tend to think a lot about what we are, are owed. And like I said, that's really not meant to be a criticism per se. It's just kind of true of human nature. But we don't tend to think about very much is what other people are owed. Think about the last time that you were completely outraged by a coworker's low salary right? It, it just doesn't happen. We just don't tend to think about what other people are owed. As a side note, this is really not what this sermon is about per se, but this is why we have laws. 
in our country. One of the purposes of the law is to remind us so that we don't become so self-consumed that we end up hurting others, that the law reminds us what other people are owed. As a matter of fact, our founding fathers, one of the things they were really concerned about as you read their writings is they said, man, in a free society like the one we're trying to establish with the United States of America, man, the American people are gonna need to keep their virtue and they're gonna need to keep their character because if they don't keep their virtue and they don't keep their character in a free society, they'll hurt each other. And the founding fathers were very concerned about that and they wanted to really limit the number of laws because they felt laws restricted freedom. Now, what also turned out to be true was that laws can also limit abuse. (laughs) So there's a tension there, right? They didn't want the laws to limit freedom, but they did want the laws to limit abuse. And laws force us to consider others. And we have a few interesting ones in this country when it comes to law in California. Um, If a frog dies in a frog jumping competition, you're forbidden to eat it, right? Um, It's a misdemeanor offense in Iowa to pass off margarine as real butter, right? That's a misdemeanor offense. In Minnesota, any game that involves trying to catch a greased uh, pig is illegal. And and we really could do it all, all day, but laws... One of the purposes of the laws is to help us remember uh, what people are owed. And in this country, you've heard this before, I'm not teaching you anything new, but our laws really protect three things, don't they? Uh, It it protects people's lives. People are are afforded in our country, and there's laws to protect this, that they have the right to live uh, as long as they're able to live. Um, Freedom or liberty, life liberty, that people in this country should be free to pursue whatever career and whatever life they want within the confines of the law. And the pursuit of happiness, that in this country you are protected from being able to pursue what makes you happy, again, within the confines of the law, so that in our freedom, we don't hurt others. So with that base being built, open your Bibles to Romans 12. Because here's the thing, thinking of others is core to Christianity, And there are a multitude of commands from our Father God. There are a multitude of commands that kind of force us to do exactly that. This goes right to the heart of God. It goes right to the heart of God's law that we are, as Christians especially, we are to consider others. And we could go to a hundred different passages, but Romans 12, we're going to eventually study Romans 13, but Romans 12 starts out with a series of commands that would all fit under the banner of considering others loving others, and all that. And I want to walk you through a few of these because they're kind of countercultural a little bit. And then in Romans 13, we're going to get to the why. So after Paul builds this base about how we ought to treat each other, he tells us why in Romans 13. So the first one I want to show you in Romans 12 is Paul says, honor one another above yourselves. It's up on the screen there for you. Um, the opposite of this kind of command in, in the Greek carries with it the idea of punishing or revenge. You think about that for a minute, that when you are thinking about exacting revenge on somebody, you are typically thinking very lowly of them in that moment. You might even attempt to think so lowly of them in a moment of anger that sometimes we actually dehumanize each other. We might say things like, they are an animal, or they are the devil, right? Or they are just evil incarnate. And in that moment, you obviously are thinking very low of the person. The word, this command that that Paul gives us from God is the opposite of that. And in the financial world, it, it was a financial term and it meant placing a value on someone that is even greater than the value you place on yourself. And this is significant because as we talked about, we tend as human beings to value ourselves a great deal. We tend to think about ourselves a lot. And so as Christians, Paul is teaching us from the Holy Spirit and from God that we are to place a high value on others. 
As Christians, we value others, even above valuing our, ourselves, although we are still called in Christianity to value ourselves, but we value others. We value their preferences. In other words, we sometimes let them have the remote control. I know that's a hard truth, all right? We sometimes let them choose where we are going on vacation. We value their interests. We sometimes do what they want to do, even though we don't want to do it. We value them enough to love them and serve them. We don't insist that everybody in our life serve us. So Paul says, honor one another above yourself. Second thing he says is, bless those who persecute you. <clears throat> We're getting increase, increasingly difficult here. That this almost seems crazy, doesn't it? Bless those who persecute you. You would think that you would want to pay back those who persecute you, or you'd want to fight against those who persecute you. But Paul says, no, bring blessing to those who persecute you. And listen, um, in, in the context that Paul is writing about, there was this emperor uh, at the time, his name was Nero. And Rome had a lot of crazy emperors. When you study Roman history, they had a lot of crazy emperors. There was no one as crazy as Nero. Um, the dude was off his rocker, all right? And that's a technical term, but he, he was off his rocker. Um, and Rome, a few years after the book of Romans is written, Rome will burn to the ground, all right? Uh, just absolutely burned to the ground. And there was some kind of some muttering within the community that Nero had set the fire, that Nero had burned his own uh, city to the ground. And you say, why would somebody do that? He was crazy. He was insane, uh, who, who knows why he did it, but historians by and large believe that Nero set that fire, and Nero didn't like this one bit, and so Nero began to develop this strategy of blaming the Christians for the fire, All right? And I want to show up, uh, put up on the screen for you what one uh, uh, kind of historian wrote about this era of time, right? This goes all the way back to when it, it was happening. So it says, so to get rid of this rumor that he had uh, set the fire, Nero set up, i.e. falsely accused, as the culprits, and punished with the utmost refinement of cruelty, a class hated for their own abominations, who were commonly called Christians. Christus, from whom their name is derived, was executed at the hands of the procurator Pontius Pilate in the reign of Tiberius. Checked for a moment, this pernicious superstition again broke out, not only in Judea, the source of the evil, but even in Rome. Accordingly, arrests were first made of those who confessed to being Christians. And then on their evidence, an immense multitude was convicted, not so much on the charge of arson, but because of their hatred for the human race. So Nero is saying to them, saying to the Christians, not only, what you're being prosecuted for is not just starting this fire. What you're being prosecuted for as a Christian is you hate the human race. Besides being put to death, they were made to serve as objects of amusement. They were clothed in the hide of beasts and torn to death by dogs. Others were crucified. Others were set on fire to serve to illuminate the night when the daylight failed. Nero had thrown open his grounds for the display and was putting on a show in the circus where he mingled with people in the dress of a charioter uh, or dro drove about in his chariot. All this gave rise to a feeling of pity, even towards men whose guilt merited the most exemplary punishment, for it was felt that they were being destroyed, not for the public good, but to gratify the cruelty of an individual. That's Nero. And this is, all right, Rome hadn't burned to the ground yet, but this is of whom Paul says, hey, bless those who persecute you. Uh, my entire life, we're going to talk about this next Sunday a little bit. My entire life, uh, people have been saying that it's never been this bad before. I really think this is the value of history. 
right? Nero was lighting his gardens by burning alive Christians. Uh, That's how Nero lit his gardens. He was having them ripped apart by dogs. He was persecuting them to the highest extent that someone can be persecuted. Sometimes we just need a little bit of perspective. And in this extreme circumstance, Paul says, find a way to bring blessing to those who persecute you. Now, this is not to say you don't go through measures to hide. Christians went through measures to hide. This is not to say you don't go through measures to not get caught. Christians attempted to not get caught. This is not to say that you don't speak about the injustices that you see. It's to say that in the midst of persecution, Paul says, find a way and a path to speak out and live blessing. Here's the last one I want to show you. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is true, all right, to live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you, that not every relationship will come to a place of peace and harmony, but when that happens, it won't be because of you and it won't be because of me as Christians. You and I will go out of our way to live at peace. And listen, you could do this all day long from Romans 12. I'm I'm done with that part of it. But you could do this all day long from Romans 12 and about 150 other passages in scripture that describe Describe the way we should love one another, the actions that we should take toward our neighbors, family, friends, spouses, enemies, and others. And the overarching command of all of Scripture seems to be you should love them. What should I do about my enemies, Paul? Love them. What should I do about my spouse? Love them. What should I do about my neighbor? Love them. What What should I do about the person persecuting me? Love them. What should I do about any situation, Paul? Love them. And I think God would know that we are kind of prone to think about ourselves most. And so a large chunk of his commands, remember this is why we have the law, is it forces us to consider others. A large chunk of his commands and his law have to do with loving others and commanding us to do this well. The command of scripture again and again and again, the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is just like it, love your neighbor like you love yourself. The overarching view of the commands of scripture is that we should love one another, and it is an all play. Love your enemies, love those who persecute you, love your neighbor, love your spouse, love your children. You, you could do it all day. And the question of this series is, why? Why? Is the answer from God's perspective because I said so? Right, we went through this phase a few years ago with Sam where everything was responded to with a why. Do this, why, do this, why, why should I obey? Why should I do that? Why, 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 why? And you're attempted as a parent to at some point just say, because I said so. And I'm your parent, stop asking why. And that is a legit answer. And honestly, the truth isn't that much is not that far away from that, but I think the true answer that Paul gives us goes beyond that, it goes deeper than that, and it's more beautiful than that. It's found in Romans 13. And here's what Paul says just a chapter later after, bless those who persecute you, love, 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 honor one another, do this, do that. Paul finally gives the why, and here's what he says. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the Law, the commands, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not cover, uh, covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. This is super interesting to me. 
Paul seems to be teaching us that when it comes to loving others, loving others is a continuous, continuing, eternal debt that we have toward other human beings. Right? You, you could make the argument that he's talking about your brothers and sisters in Christ, except repeated throughout the Romans 12, he's talking about blessing those who persecute you, blessing your enemies, loving the, the people who want to do you harm. And so Paul describes the reason why we love is that it is a continuing, eternal, never-ending debt that we have toward other human beings. You know that feeling when you've gone into debt for something? a credit card debt, a house debt, a car debt, and there comes this moment when you have worked so hard and you've saved so much and you make that last payment or you pay it off early. Isn't that a great feeling? Yeah, you never get that in your relationships. There never comes a, de- there, there never comes a point, Paul would say, when you can say, I have finally loved enough. I, I have finally gone above and beyond enough. I, I, I have finally done enough. There never comes a moment where you have paid the debt to love off. It is eternal, it is forever, it is never ending. Aren't you encouraged? Say, have I loved enough? I guarantee you, you haven't. Because it is a continuing debt to love one another. There's never a moment where that debt is fulfilled. Uh, We never come to this moment where we have finally loved enough and served enough and given enough that we can just be done with that whole thing. I can finally be done loving you. That moment never comes. In short, the reason that we love, and here's the part you're going to get defensive about, the reason we should love, you owe it to them. And and this is where some of us struggle because we say, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's stop right here for a minute. What do you mean I owe them? I, I don't owe them anything. I owe them jack squat. Are you kidding me, Steve? Do you know what they said? Do you know what they did? Do you know the action that they take to, to, to against me? And now you're saying like, I owe them love? I do not. And I think this is really challenging for us to see because of the whole base that I built at the beginning of the sermon is we tend to think a lot about what we are owed. And our eyes tend to be on ourselves and our eyes tend to be on what they have done to us. And the reality of the book of Romans, before you get to Romans 13 and before you get to Romans 12, there is a number leading up to Romans 12 and 13, there is a number of gospel passages and gospel messages, good news messages, the work of Jesus messages, where Paul is kind of laying out the good news of Jesus. And I want to show you a few of these because Paul is going to make the argument that as long as your eyes are focused on what they have done to you, you're never gonna get to this spot where this debt owes, where you feel like you owe them love. You're never gonna get there. We have to begin to have our eyes on what Jesus has done for us and for them. So let me show you a few of these passages. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God that brings salvation to, to everyone. It brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So Paul teaches us the righteousness of God is revealed through Jesus. And I think this is something that needs to be cleared up a little bit because uh, my entire life, there seems to be this understanding that in the Old Testament, you got this grumpy version of God. He's all about his commands. He's all about the wages of sin being death. He's all about the sacrificial system where they would kill lambs and animals and the, 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 the sins of the people would be paid for. And then we act like in the New Testament, like God started to feel better about things. 
and that God's niceness was revealed through Jesus. His grace and love and peace was revealed through Jesus. But Paul says that through Jesus, the righteousness of God is revealed. How? Well, first of all, through Jesus, we see the picture of righteousness, that he is the picture of what perfection looks like. He was holy, completely good, and righteous, and perfect. But also through Jesus, God's standards of sin were satisfied. Those standards didn't go away. It's not like God takes sin really seriously in the Old Testament. and the New Testament, he's like, oh, you can do what you want. Right? No, the, the, the righteousness of God is satisfied through the work of Jesus. The wages of sin is indeed death. Even in the New Testament, just like the old, the wages of sin is indeed death. Those wages were paid by Jesus on the cross to anyone who believes. And I studied the Greek really hard this week, and that word, everyone, it literally means everyone. That anybody who chooses to believe can have their sins forgiven and wiped clean and can come to Jesus to be saved. And Jesus did that so that we would have the opportunity to know him and have our sins forgiven. He gave us the opportunity to believe. And here's the rub. Some of us said, well, the person that I immediately came to my mind about, the person that I feel like I've given them enough, I've done enough, I've loved enough, that person, if they would just like believe, then I'd be forced to love them. Because this is just kind of how Christians treat each other. And that's what the gospel teaches. If they would believe, to everyone who believes, if they would just believe, then I'd have to love them. If they just believe, then I'd have to treat them well. And that's all fine and good except for Romans 5. Paul says this, you see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is a really great text. That Jesus Christ died for us like he died for us before we believed. He died so we'd have the opportunity to believe. He died for us while we were still sinners and ungodly and separated. Could I say it another way? He died for our potential. He died for our potential belief. And this is kind of an amazing thing. Because Paul says for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Although you'd even have to think about that. But you know what, you know what changes this for me? You know what makes this passage all make sense? It is, is the word love. Because your child might be giving you fits and being difficult and they're making you pull your hair out and ram your head against the wall and you would not, not describe right now their behavior as good, but if they needed it, you'd give your life for them. Even though you wouldn't describe their behavior as good right now, you would, you would give your life for them. Why? Because you love them. And Jesus loves you. And he gave his life for you before you believed. Before you believed, he gave his life for you. When you were ungodly and separated and still a sinner, he gave his life for you. And he did that for your potential so that someday you could believe. And you know what? The same is true for them. Whoever the them is for you. The same is true for them. The same is true for your enemy. The same is true for the ungodly, reckless person that, that just is, is creating havoc. The same is true for them. And let me show you why Christ died for them. Romans 8. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to offer people the chance to step out of sin and death and into new life. And from the book of Romans, again, we could do this all day. 
There's one passage after another about what Jesus did and what Jesus accomplished and what Jesus invites us in, uh, what Jesus invites us to and what Jesus wants from us. And I think our struggle with love, let me tell you something I've discovered about me. Our struggle with love, I don't think it's actually a struggle with love. And you say, what do you mean by that? I don't think it's a struggle with love. I think it's a struggle with perspective. That, 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 that we have the wrong perspective, that we tend to view people from our own perspective. So when you, when you view them just from your history with them, they certainly look like your enemy, or they look like someone you should hate, or they look like someone you should punish, and so we feel we owe them absolutely nothing. But what Romans is inviting us to right now is Romans is inviting us to view people from God's perspective. That that person that you are struggling to love and that person I am struggling to love, and, and let's be real in church just for a moment, we all have somebody we're thinking about right now. All right, th- there's a temptation, what is this thing of struggling to love? I don't do that. Right? We all do that. Right? I, I do. So that person that you're thinking of right now, it is someone Jesus loves. That person is someone Jesus died for. That person is someone that Jesus wants to come to new life. It's someone who, through belief in Jesus, can be saved. And Paul teaches that as we begin to see them, less through our own lens and more through the lens of Jesus, as we start to see them this way, a debt begins to form around that relationship. A debt of love, a debt of blessing, a debt of honor. Now let's pause just for a moment. This is simple to understand, I think. I've taken a good chunk of your morning to explain it, but I probably could have done it in about three sentences. You should love because you owe them love, but I thought you'd get really mad about that, so I wanted to explain it, all right? So this is easy to understand. It is not easy to implement. Figuring this out, figuring out what Paul is teaching here requires great thought and requires great effort. It sometimes requires us to live, love that person within certain boundaries because that person isn't safe and they aren't good and they're living a life that is reckless and would harm our children. And so we have to love them within boundaries. But it doesn't let us off the hook to love. It means this is hard. That we have to think about this and we have to pray about this and we have to figure out how we're gonna love within certain boundaries. Let me give you one example from the Bible. There was, a, there was a law in the New Testament that when Rome was occupying Israel, any Roman centurion could grab a Jewish person and say, hey, carry my bags one mile. And what Jesus taught his earlier followers, he says, hey, listen, if somebody forces you to carry their bag one mile, go ahead and carry it two. This is an application of this principle, that you are finding a way to bring blessing. Now, the Jewish man and the centurion are not spending Thanksgiving together. They're not going on vacation together. He's not having him into his home. He is thinking and he is burrowing down about how in this tense relationship where this person is trying to do me harm, how can I bring some form of blessing to them? And that's what I mean when I say this is hard. Just to say, you know, I, I did not want to end this sermon with like, go out and just love everybody because I want you to know it's hard. And we have to think and we have to pray and we have to burrow down about, man, this person that is unsafe or this person that has harmed me or this person who uh, harms others, this person who isn't healthy. How do I live out a passage like this and bring them honor and blessing and love? It's hard. And just so you think I'm not saying it's hard from far away, 
I had to watch my mom figure this thing out. Uh, my, my mom uh, it was in a, uh, had an abusive relationship with someone in her childhood, and it forever altered her relationship. My mom became a Christian uh, the year I was born, and she took the commands of Jesus and the heart of the gospel seriously, and it caused her to kind of have to think through, how do I demonstrate a text like this to somebody who has wronged me? And I watched her do it. She did it within the confines of guardrails, she did it in the confines of wisdom. She, she wasn't ridiculous about it. Uh, she did it in a way that kept her kids safe. But I watched her figure out what this can look like and how to demonstrate love to somebody who has hurt you in kind of a profound way. And it's hard and it's not easy and we're gonna sometimes get it wrong. But make no mistake about it, the gospel, when I was going over uh, our membership class with someone the other day and one of our core values here is the good news of Jesus changes everything. And this is one of the things that changes. It changes the way we treat others. It changes the way we love others. It changes the way we honor others. It changes the way we respect others. It changes everything and it's hard. So how? Do I pay the debt of love that I have for all human beings? How do I pay that debt that I have because my Lord and my Savior loves all people and he tells me to do the same? How do I do that? I don't know. But I know it's hard and I know we can think about it and I know that we're guarded by the Holy Spirit. I do have one thought that I wanna share with you. I, I love what um, Paul says in his text about when you live this way, when you love this way, you have fulfilled the law. That God uh, gives us the law to remind us what people are owed. We talked about that at the beginning of the message. So when we love, Paul says, we are satisfying the law. And there are two parts to the law. I think there's the junior varsity and then there's the varsity. There are two, there are two parts to the law. The, the junior varsity are the do nots. Do not murder. That's one way you can love somebody. <laughs> I am not going to murder them. I have decided today. Th Steve, thank you. All right. Th this is the junior varsity. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Um, sometimes beginning to, to pay that debt of love and grace forward is engaging in a do not. I am not going to pay them back. I'm not going to their house for Thanksgiving, but I'm not going to pay them back. I'm not going to seek revenge. I'm not going to gossip about them. I'm not going to lie about them. I'm taking my ball and going home from this battle. Sometimes it looks like a do not. And I think a do not is a great place to start. That maybe somebody in your life that you're having a hard time with, you've just been in a battle with them. And you're like, you know what? I learned it Sunday today. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. I am not going to yell. I am not going to engage in this anymore. I am going to engage in a do not. And as you do the do nots, I think eventually you graduate to the varsity team. The varsity team is the part of the law that is the deuce. Bless them, serve them, pray for them. It, it, is, it is the deuce. Um, but I think we start with the do not. Right? Let, let's start a little bit easier in some of these relationships. We've got to start with the do not. I, I am not going to murder them. Right? I am not going to engage in this war anymore. I am not going to trash their name. I, I'm, going, I'm going to do a do not. I'm going to stop the war. I'm going to stop the rocks. I'm going to stop the guys. I'm going to stop there. And you start there and, and, and see if God doesn't lead you to, to like more of a do. That you find yourself one day maybe blessing them or sending them like a card in a way that you never thought that you would. 
or, or you find your way uh, sending them a Facebook message that you never thought that you would send, or you send, find, find yourself sending them a gift that you never thought that, that you would do. But, but it starts with do nots and it eventually goes to the do's. And you actually see this pattern actually in the Bible um, that there's a lot of do's in the Old Testament, so I don't want to categorize it that way. But, you know, Jesus eventually takes us to the do's. You, you know, Jesus talks about, you know, um, Jesus talked a lot about blessing those who persecute you and loving those. And, and Jesus said, man, don't just do the do not. Do not murder. I'm telling you, don't be angry and bless and honor and love and all that stuff. So Jesus is trying to graduate us to the next level, and that's what I encourage us to. You and I can do this. This is so countercultural and it is so hard. It requires great thought because these situations are complex and there's other things at play. But I am confident that with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can figure this thing out. So why love? The why is we owe it to people. And I'll only see that when I stop focusing solely on what they did to me and I start focusing on what Jesus did for them. That's when I will begin to see this thing more clearly. As long as I'm focused on what they did, I'm not saying forget what they did. I'm not saying forget that altogether. I'm saying when I stop focusing solely on what they did to me and I start focusing on what Christ has done for them, Paul says like this debt starts to form. A debt of honor, a debt of blessing, a debt of gratitude. And it probably isn't because of anything that they did. Um, It's probably because of what Christ did and we begin to see that more clearly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you um, that Jesus paid our debt. And uh, we, we believe that this good news changes everything in this life and in the next. And this is like so, such a hard thing in some circumstances. Sometimes it's easy with family that we get along with and enjoy and uh, go on vacation with. This is kind of an easy teaching to do. But the enemy, the person who's persecuted us and done us harm and done us wrong, this is hard to figure out. And there are not easy answers. So Lord, this morning we want to pledge that we'll start with a do not. We'll stop the war. We'll stop the rocks. We'll start, stop the name calling. We'll stop doing that stuff. And As we seek you, I believe Jesus will graduate us to the deuce. But today we start with do not. Help us to do it, Lord. Uh, This is part of living out your gospel. And it's a really hard part. I sometimes wonder when Paul was writing this to the Romans. And in a few short years, their leader would be burning their friends to light his garden. I wonder how these teachings sat with your people. And we know from history that one of the reasons that your grace is so well known in Rome is because of the way they responded to that persecution. Help us to be the same way, Lord. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen. We stand. We're gonna sing a song of invitation. I'd love to... um, I'd love to pray with you. Um, And uh, I'd love to pray for wisdom and and grace to live out some of the teachings of Jesus uh, that that we're learned about today and that we're gonna continue to learn about in this series. Um, And if uh, you are interested in knowing more about Jesus who is so countercultural, we'd love to introduce you to him and begin to talk to you about him as well as we sing this song together. 
Come out of sadness from wherever you 